This podcast is sponsored by Kulabola that creates simple and very advanced websites, as well as creating fantastic animation. If you or someone you know is looking to start or update their websites, we're offering a genuine 20% discount with the code AWAKENING. Just go to Kulabola, C-O-O-L-A-B-U-L-L-A.com and the links are in the podcast description. Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. We're also on BitChute, not on YouTube, but on a few other channels, Rumble and stuff like that. You'll find the links in the podcast description for other podcasts, speaking podcasts, meditation podcasts, learn Polish podcasts, and the crypto podcast, and all can be found on RoyCon.com. Today, my guest, looking forward to this conversation, a healthcare whistleblower. Please welcome Robert Yoho. Roy, thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your podcast. And I always do the 10 second disclaimer that uh, this is not medical care. Um, use this information at your own risk. And if you have uh, medical problems, uh, go see a licensed physician. I'm retired. So I can introduce myself and let you yes, know please. about my background. So I'm a 68 year old retired physician who I consider myself a healthcare whistleblower. And so I spent the last four to five years researching healthcare corruption, and my initial interest in it was sparked by the fact that I treated women with hormone deficiencies, and I found so many discrepancies between what was real and what was fiction in our medical literature and the FDA's handling of various problems that I got more interested in the subject and approached each part of healthcare corruption individually, and over a, over a three-year period, I woke up. I'm like Rip Van Winkle. I was completely asleep, and just like every other doctor, and uh, you know, hypnotized by the uh, narrative that doctors were good, and we did things that were right, and we had the patient's uh, best interest in uh, in our as our forefront value. Uh, but I found out that wasn't true, and I looked at every uh, medical industry, and we can go into that stuff. So uh, th that's that's essentially my story. I mean, I'm I, you know I I could go back and tell you I was an Eagle Scout and all that stuff, but that's that's ancient history. And so I could tell you about training that I you know I did four years of postgraduate work and you know slaved my whole career to try to learn more medical science, uh, but uh, uh, that's irrelevant. So can I uh, uh, go on and give you the background for the COVID story? Yes, absolutely. So we spend as much on healthcare in America as the federal government spends per person. We spend as we spend twice what other developed countries spend. Okay, so it's four trillion dollars in America. And uh, oh, oh, so the, the point I was making at first was the federal government spends they get three point five trillion t trillion in tax revenues, and we spend four trillion on healthcare. So they spend more than we spend on healthcare, but they're spending a bunch of money they don't have. So it's, it's an insane amount of money. And what this does, this gives the medical industry incredible power. They have enough money to bribe Congress. You know, they call it lobbying. And they have enough money to uh, essentially run the entire show in our, in our government. They're, they're, it's the biggest industry in America. But despite all this money we spend, 50% of our services are either useless or damaging. And this is well known. It's not controversial academically. And they write papers about this stuff all the time. So we have 50 to 70% of people in America taking prescription drugs every day. I mean, it's incredible. And so this, this industry, this pharma industry, it's the most criminal industry in world history. 
as judged by their federal settlements with U.S. criminal prosecutors. They, I mean, it's it's thousands of uh, criminal records, eighty-six billion B billion dollars of judgments in, since two thousand, and the the payoffs are on a Wikipedia page of shame, which any of your listeners can look up right now. They can just um, search for uh, pharmaceutical company criminal settlements, and they'll it'll come up. And Wikipedia is heavily adulterated, but they they haven't been able to purge this page somehow. Um, so, I mean. The, there's three of these companies that have had individual settlements over $2 billion each, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and GlaxoSmithKline. And Pfizer had an anti-inflammatory called Bextra, which caused 50,000 deaths, and they knew about it ahead of time, just like they knew this vax was a killer ahead of time, which we're, we're getting from the second uh, release of Pfizer documents. So I always use this quote to make your listeners understand that I'm just not a lunatic. Peter Ross was a former Pfizer marketing vice president. He, he wrote, it's scary how many similarities there are between this industry and the mob. Obscene amounts of money, killings and deaths, bribing politicians and others. The difference is all these people in the drug industry look upon themselves as law-abiding citizens. However, when they get together as a group, it's almost like when you have war atrocities, people do things they don't think they're capable of because the group can validate what they're doing is okay. Another quote I always use is from Harry Lloyd, who was a Park Davis pharmaceutical CEO. He said, if we put horse manure in a capsule, we can sell it to 95% of these doctors. So that's their attitude. And we're learning, you know, the, the, the general populace is learning about this. So, so, you know, why haven't the federal prosecutors been able to take these guys down? And the answer is, in the title of a book written in 2017 about them, entitled The Chicken Shit Club. And the, the author said, he said, defaulting to a settlement without prosecuting individuals corrodes the rule of law, and then corporate officers possess the ability to commit crimes with impunity. And so th these guys just aren't tough enough to do it. And I think we do have a breed of lawyers that may do the right thing here, and they're called plaintiff's lawyers. Now, I have no great love for plaintiff's lawyers because they, they hassled me during much of my career. But these guys, it looks like they may be able to take Pfizer and run them through the ringer. They, Pfizer has no immunity for uh, purposeful crimes such as genocide. So the and FDA, just, just just because I, I I know you can continue on your but, but I just want to kind of interject with, with some of the things because like I have seen loads of times like the Guardian would have reported five billion for this and everything but in reality the money is going back into the government who in turn like I know in Ireland I'm not sure if it's the same in America but I remember reading the FDA uh, the the IDA grants so grants that they were given to companies. They were given grants instead of to a new company that was forming to help them, you know, become successful. They were given grants to pharmaceutical companies. So, like, I, I, I'm convinced that they're just rolling the money back around and they get it back in, in the back door. Okay, so the FDA, healthcare is $4 trillion. The FDA is only a $5 billion animal. So there's, the FDA does not uh, fund the pharmaceutical companies. It goes the other way around. And when, when, when you get funded, it's over half or half of their revenues, the FDA's revenues comes directly from pharmaceutical companies. This started in the early 2000s and that it comes in the form of user fees, which are fees generated during the patent process. So these guys have come to 
consider the pharma companies as clients rather than entities to be regulated. And so this, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, the nicest, this is the, the code word for corruption like this is conflict of interest. Absolutely. In any other industry, stuff like this would be called out and the people might be, you know, judges have to recuse themselves when they are theoretically, when they're, they have conflict of interest like this and they could get, they could get sanctioned or perhaps even criminal prosecutions. But in, in healthcare, they just call it conflict of interest. People who are paid off by pharma and write these papers, which are incidentally 95% of our medical literature is ghostwritten. When they, when they, when they do that, they just claim their conflict of interest at the bottom of the paper, at the end of the paper, and, and they're, they're allowed to get away with it. Um, but it's, it's, make no mistake, it's bribery. And with, with that, it wasn't the FDA, it was the idea. So basically, like, it's development grants for companies. So they, they're giving it to profitable pharmaceutical companies. They're giving massive amounts of money. And I, I assume that's happening in a, a lot of places. Well, see, the healthcare is so profligate, it's so wasteful that in the United States, the pharma companies, the, the money essentially falls out of the air with the medical billing. Right. And the way the, the finance are structured. So um, so they've got plenty of money to pay off a two, three billion dollar criminal complaint and their stock values often go up after they pay it off because the threat of the chemical, uh, the, of the criminal complaint has gone away. So, I mean, these these entities are, um, you know, some of them are, you know, Johnson, Johnson, and Pfizer. There's they're in the. billion gross. And I don't even know what Pfizer's gross is now that with with this year, when they've gotten this drug that they can uh, make it for a penny and sell it for a dollar. And that's a, that's a quote from uh, Warren Buffett about cigarettes. I mean, that's what this drug is. It's, it's, it's a dangerous, harmful item. Uh, They've been able to force uh, the use of it. The government does the marketing for them. Pfizer's profit margins were 40, 50 percent for the last five years. And now with this this last year, I don't know. I mean, there's they're projected to make one hundred billion dollars on this drug alone. Now, just to give you the perspective, I think their gross is 60, 70 billion dollars. So, I mean, this doubles their amount of money that comes in. Now, maybe this includes uh, subsequent years and maybe this year it's only 30 billion. I don't want your listeners to hold me to hard numbers here, but you get the idea of the magnitude of this thing. I mean, it's just, it's so freaking profitable that they can pretty much do whatever they want because they can pay anybody off. So, so the next point is that the FDA and the pharma work together to fake the drug patent studies and they use statistical manipulation. They corrupt their research subcontractors. They hide studies. You know, you've heard of the Gardasil, the HPV vaccine. Yeah. All the kids have been forced to take that. Our generation didn't, didn't do it. It's a toxic, dangerous vaccine, quote, vaccine. And Japan had a look at the data, and they realized that 50% of the studies had been hidden, 50% of the studies. And when you do that, the statistics mean nothing. And so they threw it out. Only 1% of the Japanese take Gardasil. But in Europe and in America, the, the use is ubiquitous. And so now forgive me these quotes, Roy. Stop me if I'm getting a little boring or if, uh, if, if you think I'm ranting. But I like these quotes. And Peter Gercha, who was one of the founders of Cochrane Reviews, which is the most respected remaining source of medicine, 
he said that the pervasive scientific misconduct has led to a research literature where one has to dig deeply to find the few gems and all the garbage. So you cannot trust the medical journals because they're prostitutes. The, the British Medical Journal is the last one standing, and they wrote an editorial in July 2021 that was entitled, Time to Assume that Health Research is Fraudulent Until Proven Otherwise. I mean, can you imagine? It's fraudulent. And you cannot trust anything they say because 95% of their articles are ghostwritten. The authors are paid huge, huge fees just to use their names. And again, this, would have, this could result in firing or criminal prosecution in law, business, or government. But it's accepted practice in healthcare. And just, so, ju just on that, because I have heard exactly what you've said, I, I'm aware of that, but our doctors that are prescribing all these, whether it's a vaccine or prescription drugs, are they actually aware of that? Because are, or are they looking at these journals like a Bible and just assuming them to be correct? Well, you see, once these journals were Bibles, and, when, you know, I come from a... Uh, old school background. And I, I got to tell you, I was not the best student in medical school. I had a mentor who this, he said this kindly, but it's not going to sound very kind. He says, Yoho, he says, when I did something right, he said, even a blind squirrel finds a nut occasionally. <laughs> so, so he didn't think I was that smart, but he was kind to me. And uh, so, you know, I lost my thread. Hang on here. What, what was what were we where were we going with this but, you, but just on that anyway so do you think they, yeah. they believe that the, right okay the, so yeah. the doctors yeah so so i come from an old school uh where we believe the journals were great the new england journal was the word of almost the word of god you know we believed in that we could research things and find out what was true but this is this is uh this has all been washed down the drain and the doctors are much more sheep have much more of a sheep quality than they did when I was younger. And what happened is in America, we put this thing through called Obamacare, which turned them all into corporate uh, employees, most of them. The people that were independent, they pretty much had to work for someone. Then only a few of us are still working independently and thinking primarily, you know, about our patients. So, no, I think most of them either believe it or are too afraid to say anything. And I think for the most part, they, they're, they have this, you know, virtually hyp hypnotic psychosis that they think that uh, the CDC and the FDA and these uh, co-opted uh, government agencies are working in everyone's best interests and they listen to the standards. And you, you see, Roy, you got to understand what a doctor is. He's pulled in every direction. It's a completely consuming profession. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine how hard it is because the ones who run their own businesses or try to manage their staff are, you know, they're consumed with doing that. Ordinary business owner, that's all they do. And then some, some of us, uh, and then you got to keep up with all the medical uh, stuff coming down and try to, try to understand it. And it's not easy to even understand what the lies are. So to, to, uh, to change your mind and to, to perceive the world a different way is the hardest thing imaginable. And doctors are not that good at it. So, I mean, I think a lot of us get it, uh, but I think most of us don't. And with the, like, uh, 
because it's something that frustrates me is when I hear the advertisements, because I heard recently it's like 75% of the advertisements are from pharmaceutical companies that are on both radio and uh, TV, I presume. But not in different. your country. Not in your in, country. In Poland, like I don't watch the TV, but I remember at a time there was massive amount of drugs being advertised on the television. In Ireland, I'm not sure, but it's it's very high i think in a lot of countries but the thing well, is when you listen that's actually to the... there's only two countries that formally approve direct-to-consumer advertising now everyone everyone acknowledges it's a, it's a great evil you know and no one understands it it's it pushes drugs into the mouths of people who don't understand it but only in new zealand and america is it legal everywhere else it's it, essentially i think they're there's filling advertising space using this stuff because they don't fully fill their advertising you get it so i don't think it's legal in poland and i don't think it's legal in ireland um but, but there's uh, loads of yeah. uh, ads that are from the pharma companies like it's just constant but the thing is at the end when they have to give the side effects both on the audio for the uh, radio stations and it's like speedy gonzalez it's like blah, 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 blah. and how are they allowed to get away with that look how are they allowed to get away with everything else and you know i mean it's it is incredible that they're still making claims about this vaccine. There's no serious academic controversy about it. It's it's a it's an unmitigated disaster. It's causing harms and injuries and uh, and fatalities. I mean, tremendous numbers. And it's obvious to anyone with their eyes open when the when the sports figures drop dead or uh, fall on their sports field clutching their chests that this thing is a disaster. And uh, you know they're they're still advertising it because marketing works. And, you know, I think Lennon said a lie repeated often enough becomes the truth. And so these guys, they're the, they're the most powerful propagandist in history. And they're being supported by a tech industry that was never foreseen by the American founders. You know, we, we, when we said freedom of speech, we never understood that there could be these groups that were so overwhelmingly pop, uh, powerful that they could uh, change the message. So, you know, people quibble about the First Amendment, and they say, well, these are private organizations, they're not included in the, the First Amendment is the most important, the freedom of speech in America is the most important legal concept in the world. And most, very few other countries have rest their foundation of their constitutions on it, like we do. And it's the only reason why we're not completely co-opted now. I mean, we still, we still can talk, but um, these private organizations, um, they're they're theoretically uh, not uh, uh, you know they they don't have to do this so I mean I I don't know how we can get the, everybody turned around but you know yeah I mean I've experienced it I mean I've been uh, kicked off YouTube I've uh, yeah. on on my Facebook channel it's got the COVID stamp and I know that it doesn't get out to people you know they 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 hide it. so I just have to use different alternative ways you know like telegram groups whatsapp groups and stuff like that to share yeah. share the information google, google is the most uh, most powerful company in the world and they can change search results and they're they're about to alter the uh, the results of our midterms and I don't I mean they can change it so when you uh, when you you google a sheep you get a, a wolf or whatever you know and uh, it does come up first in the search term so it it it's uh it's it's a it's a great evil and there is uh, i can put in the show notes a reference that your listeners can check a joe rogan show and i think the, this guy's name was uh Naywiz or something he's got I, a middle eastern name 
Yeah, I watched that show. It's uh, yeah, it's frightening. It's but but I mean, yeah. I think they were talking about George or something. When they called Google out, they had to change it, and then they got because they there's something like a ninety percent switch on somebody even on the voting by the way they manipulate the information that goes to them, and you just get what they want. A ten percent switch would would change the election result, and I think that's the figure. But it's uh, it's horrifying and this guy says that when he watches google in other words his team which he's got a team when they evaluate uh any given state he says they change their behavior because they don't want to be called out there there still is some rule of law remaining but these guys are so powerful you know two tech companies have far bigger market caps than the entire u.s federal government revenue the revenues for you know the the expenditure slash revenue of the US federal government is 4 trillion or 4 trillion plus, right? These companies, they have individual market caps of two and a half trillion now. I mean, Google and Apple alone. So they're they're so powerful that I don't know what we can do about them, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, gone, it's gone scary. And like, I, I know that you're covering this, this stuff as you're going through, but I want to just touch on a few things because like with the advertisements here, they were pushing it here on the billboards and everything and pushing pregnant women to get the vaccine. And that, that made me cringe when I saw that. And I know they're doing that all around the world as well. Yeah, the preg pregnant women are a special class that have, you know, we, we had a reverential attitude towards them until this vaccine came around. And they basically, there were only about four or five drugs that were considered completely safe for women, a few antibiotics and, and so on, uh, pregnant women. Uh, but but uh, at this point, we're giving these vaccines to these women. And some of the studies have shown that they have 80 plus percent of their fetuses die when they get the vaccine. And I, this has happened to a friend of mine, this is his daughter. And so it's, it's an outrage. And it's hard for me, this, the kids and the pregnant women, it's a, it, the pregnant women is the most obvious criminal act, you know, of the entire thing, because they, they are vulnerable and we can't, we can't sacrifice, even if the narrative is true, that we should use this thing to protect our elders, we never would sacrifice our babies on the altar of protecting people like you and I, who have, you know, a few years left. I mean, it's 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 that it's a moral outrage, and and so these people that, who are pushing this narrative, they they have nothing in the way of you know integrity. They're they're only interested in money and uh, and other agendas. Absolutely, and with with the hospitals as well, because I know that there's a few people that I've heard they're convinced people that I know they're convinced that their partners were killed in the hospitals, yeah. and I know that. People both in Poland and the UK and Ireland, they're basically saying they're getting treated terrible in the hospitals. You're not allowed to have guests come in. You're not even a family member. And like when you think there's some children that are kind of maybe going through leukemia or something like that, and they're just like, especially the elderly, they're totally abusing them inside yeah. the hospitals as if they're vermin. Okay, so Roy, the, your, your listeners they i imagine they are sophisticated but to understand this hospital story is to understand a, a, an unbelievable evil and i would refer your listeners to my um substack where i recorded a 
uh, uh, interview with a father of a of a murdered child um, whose child was murdered in the hospital. And look, I don't say this lightly. I'm going to explain the story in brief. But I recommend that they go to robertyoho.substack.com and listen to the interview and read, read what I have, read the references, and, and judge for yourself. And like every other thing in this pandemic, you've got to make your own decisions. But the story in brief was um, this father is in his 60s. He has a Downs kid who's a perfectly healthy uh, uh, you know, uh, little girl who is uh, 19 or 18 or something who got COVID and was admitted to the hospital. And they're not allowed to use the successful, one of the, one of the biggest evils of this pandemic is the successful treatments have been suppressed. We have um, several drugs that have been known to be very good antivirals for uh, at least a decade and perhaps much longer. And they're uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And so these hospitals, you know, because the FDA, they, there's been a concerted effort to suppress these because the vaccine has, ordinarily they take 10 years to, to test properly, but this thing has been rolled out as a quote emergency and they couldn't get this emergency use authorization unless, unless if, if there were any successful treatments. So they couldn't admit these things were um, uh, good treatments. And you're, I don't know whether you've seen the horse, uh, horse uh, uh, nonsense about ivermectin in Europe, but in America, there was an incredible campaign, a, a true disinformation campaign uh, perpetrated by these pharmaceutical companies to claim that uh, ivermectin was no good. And it was only, it, you know, it's a miracle drug for many things. So, um, so I, I've lost my thread here. I'm sorry, it's early here. No, it's, you were talking about the, the child the, the, with Down syndrome. All right. Okay. So, so this this little girl goes to the hospital and they 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 do some aggressive uh, measures on her that have nothing to do with uh, good medical care and they they gave her uh, uh, this and that but at the end of the, the hospitals have these incredible financial incentives in America and I don't know about Europe it is to same. to do to diagnose covid to put the kids on or the people on ventilators, which is a horrible strategy for COVID. It knocks them off. 80, 90% of them die on the ventilator. And then they have strategies to give them this drug called remdesivir, which is fatal in 25 to 75% of the cases. And then they get a bonus if the patient dies. Is supposedly, I know it sounds, it sounds like it's hard to, it's, it sounds wrong and it is wrong, but um, in theory, it was meant to compensate the hospital for the other cases that they lost because of COVID. Didn't, they weren't allowed in the hospital and so on and so forth. So the thing has some sort of rationale. But it all has turned into a perverse incentive where the hospitals pick up on average of $100,000 per patient, but sometimes three or 400000 extra dollars because these people are forced into the ICUs, forced to be innovated, forced to have 20 days of ventilator therapy before they die. So uh, this little kid was, I mean, I can hardly even tell you what happened. You, you have to listen to it. But the kid was pronounced a do not resuscitate while she's still talking. And then they gave her three different anesthesia drugs, one, uh, one just general anesthesia drug and at a low dose. And then they gave her morphine and a benzodiazepam uh, intravenously all together over the space of a very short time period, perhaps a half an hour. And that 
freaking killed her. And this, you know, they, I mean, the, the, the hospitals, you have to understand that these the hospitals in America are nonprofits and they have very little oversight. A for-profit has a board that watches their backsides, but a for-profit hospital has very little oversight and they are money-making machines and they are tremendously profitable, even though they're not allowed to declare a profit. And what they do is they acquire other hospitals, they put their money into marble lobbies and they, um, you know, buy, buy doctor's practices and stuff like that with the ex extra money and they expand and they just are money-making machines. So they're almost without an ethical, you know, the only people in the game here with an ethical premise are the physicians and their, their, their abilities to do things properly are fading because they've been so influenced and they've been bought out as well by the industry money and uh, and the, the standards that the the doctors who've been paid off by industry have established for their behavior. And so these guys work for uh, big corporations and if they don't prescribe enough antidepressants and statin medications, both of which are failed drug classes. They, they can lose their jobs or they get counseling and all this, you know, by percentage that supposedly, you know, and we've got 17% or 18% of the American public on psych drugs. I mean, it's, it's a crazy scene. Sorry about the rants, Roy. You have to. No, no, no. It's grand. And you know, you, you were talking about the drug that they were doing. I know in the UK, they were doing Medazolam, Medazolam, I think it's yeah. called, similar thing. And uh, like you mean, I think Matt Hancock had bought thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds worth. And like we know that they're killing the people. So, like, the, we know the boards of these hospitals, they know what they're doing. But at the end of the day, the nurses that are there, they know what's going on. All the doctors yeah. now, like they're all criminals. They're all create. They're all murdering people, knowingly. Yeah. It's not like it, the, this is not a case of oh, I didn't know. You can't use that excuse. Roy, your listeners have to listen to my interview, and the other place they can listen to interviews like this and understand what's going on is RFK Jr.'s uh, website, the Children's Health uh, Defense or Defender. And I recommend that your listeners get on his podcast and listen to those. They're 20 minutes each. They're easy, uh, quick, and they'll quickly sort of start to understand what's going on. And the, the stories are heartrending. They're credible. They're heartrending. And uh, this sounds like we're in a science fiction novel, a dystopian science fiction novel. And, but it's, it's actually what's going on. There's a, a great evil stalking the world, and we have to stand up. And like to get into the mindset, because, you know, like when you were a doctor, you didn't realize it was like, I, I mean, it's been infiltrated for over a hundred years, unfortunately, but you know, people weren't aware, but it, what's the best way of, because I, I've often shifted my thought process when I realized, Oh, I was wrong about that. Say even vaccines. I mean, I, I learned about polio and everything. And I just assumed that was a good vaccine until I started hearing about it. Then I went away, read a load of books and realized, Ooh, no, I've been told a lie. But what's the best way for us to get the message to a doctor or a nurse to try and maybe make the shift? <laughs> that's, the million that's, dollar the question. Question. that's the million dollar question. So why don't I uh, go off into the vaccine? You know, the millennials call it a rabbit hole for a moment. Okay. So, you know, obviously, it, you know, it's obvious to anyone who's made any kind of halfway serious study of this COVID thing that this is, uh, this is horrible. 
You know, it's not really a vaccine. The World Health Organization changed the definition of vaccine in order to accommodate the fact that COVID provides no, the COVID, the COVID vaccine of various kinds provide no immunity, right? But the question is, um, why, how, how have we been uh, led to believe that vaccines are something you can't challenge? Um, that they're all, that all vaccines are good and it's a third rail of healthcare and that they'll make fun of you if you so so what's the psychological operation the psyop here has been to uh, deride and deplatform and uh, make fun of anyone who challenges this uh, the vaccines are good narrative so um, obviously some of these older vaccines were great successes or were found to be great successes but when you examine virtually every one of them individually, you find that the diseases were declining and the vax kicked in at a certain point, it didn't change the decline curve of the disease. So, you know, arguably the improvements in fatalities or mortality due to the vaccines or supposedly purportedly due to the vaccines, it was actually due to improved public health measures and so on and so forth. And the real evil of this whole thing occurred when we took the vaccine manufacturer's liability away, and I believe it was in 86, um, and Reagan signed this thing into law, and it was well-meaning, you know, that he was convinced along with uh, a lot of other people by the vaccine manufacturers that they couldn't afford to make the vaccines unless the liability was taken away. But what happened was the number of vaccines exploded we only received four or five vaccines in our age group. I mean, I probably got less than you, but now these kids get 70 or 80 separate injections during their childhood. And th th this is not, you know, this has been thought by some good observers to be responsible for some of the problems we've seen in these kids. They, they've got all these autoimmune diseases our generation didn't have. They have autism rates you know, it's hard to establish causality in the big trends like this because there are many other problems. I mean, you know, supposedly the pollutions, pollution, pollutants have gone up and, and so on and so forth. But um, the vaccines have not been an altogether good trend. In fact, overall, they're probably another evil perpetrated on us by the pharmaceutical companies. So the, the way the psychological operations of the uh, pharma companies, they would call me an anti-vaxxer and a domestic terrorist and every other thing now. So we have to, you know, you have to study this to understand it. And if you're interested, if you're afraid to give your kids vaccine, vaccines, um, you know, it's well-founded. Your fears are founded on reality. And I recommend you study RFK Jr.'s um, website, the Children's Health Defender, and look at his information that he provides. Now, of course, if you go to Wikipedia, which is completely uh, adulterated by, uh, you, you know, by these companies, and it's essentially bought and sold in the woke uh, idiocy, and it's, it's under attack every day by people rewriting history. If you go to Wikipedia about RFK Jr., they call him a vax denier. You know, that's the, uh, the, the, the cat call that they all use, you know, I guess we're vaccine deniers and domestic terrorists, Roy. And with with you know, the autism, God. I mean, like, yeah, there's all different kind of theories out there, but there was like one in a hundred thousand. And it's like, in some states, it's like one in 32, you know? The, yeah, the, I don't, it's hard to imagine it's that high, but I'm, you know, that's not my expertise. 
like in I remember m- my youngest child is uh, eight and like they give a fine unless you get the child vaccinated so that's why I started studying now kind of sovereignty UCC common law because there's ways of getting forms and that's just for the listeners as well because sometimes we're kind of coerced by the doctor and everything and you can get forms where you're actually making them personally liable and saying you know what you're doing and they won't sign it which in turn gives you kind of like a disclaimer so it's just there's kind of the ways around getting around this because they make it look like it's pushed on you for example a mandate you think it's mandatory but it's not that's more trickery in words and you actually have to consent to that and you have you just say where's my con where have i signed an agreement with that and unfortunately there's not there's no solicitors out there going this down this road i've been trying to approach a few they don't want to know about it because they're all part of their own little corrupt system but by actually learning the terminology you can protect yourself well the, the hope is that is with the plaintiff's lawyers and uh, the, the courts are not completely corrupted. Okay, we have three branches in America. We have three branches of, of uh, you know, government. We have the executive and the uh, legislative and the courts. And there are individual judges that can hear these cases. And if they are heard in complete form, there's no way around the, the evil that's getting done and the crimes that are getting committed. And their trick has been to not hear the cases, you know, and sort of cover their eyes and see no evil and hear no evil. The plaintiff's lawyers have the ability to choose the venue, the chance, the place where the crime, the crimes are heard or the the allegations are heard. And so that uh, seems to be the attack vector, which might be successful, and it has been successful and it's being successful in in some cases. So. Um, the courts are kind of our last bastion now. The executive branch is gone. I mean, we'll look at what's going on in our, uh, our president. And, uh, you know, the, the, the legislature is, uh, is in the hands of the uh, crazies. And I'm not sure it's going to get turned around with the midterms. I mean, even though there's a, a massive cry of outrage uh, and people are learning about what's going on, the, the country is still being uh, propagandized by this uh, insane tech media and the social media. So we'll we'll sit here and we'll ride the roller coaster and hope for the best and and tell our stories. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like just kind of because I know everybody's looking at different things and it's very hard to understand what's the truth. It's very hard to understand where to search things. Like I always say, even if you go on to go, I I say go to Brave, but if you go to Google, it's it depends on the question as well. If you say is such a thing safe? You'll get the answers, yes. If you say, why is it not safe? You'll get a different answer. So it's always kind of look at the way you're asking the questions. But if we go to say the PCR test, they were selling the PCR tests in 2018, 2019, billions of them across all the different countries. So how did they know that that was needed? Well, uh, the, the testing for this was designed to inflate the, the figures. and. I mean, this whole thing was a concerted conspiracy by uh, that was centrally directed to sell this thing and to get this uh, profitable vaccine injected in in the whole uh, world population. And I, I mean, it's 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 just a it's a crazy story. And I mean, if you want to get into the roots of it, we can, but it depends on how sophisticated your audience is. They're really going to think I'm crazy if if I, we talk about the. Uh, um, you know, the World Health or um, 
World Economic Forum and all those crazy people. I mean, it, it's all very well documented. I think in order to research this, which was your question, your listeners should know about Substack, which is as yet an uncensored platform. And it's, it's writing and podcasting uh, together. And my again, my Substack, if you want to look and see what the format is, is robertyoho.substack.com. And there are other very prominent journalists who are writing about this daily. And Paul Alexander, and his is p.alexander.substack.com. Um, he, is, he is writing three or four times a day. It's almost more than you can stand about what's going on. He's followed the trucker uh, convoys in Canada and the U.S. And he documents that this, vac this quote, vaccine actually is increasing the number of cases. And it's not, it's not just that it doesn't work. This thing is perpetrating the pandemic because it selects it 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 selects for uh, variants of the virus that will survive the, the the vaccine and the the countries that have, have been the most vaccinated are getting waves of new variations of COVID and this thing will perpetrate this pandemic indefinitely and if they can maintain this uh, narrative that you need the vaccine to uh, to prevent it and you know, keep everybody uh, fooled about this thing. It's an infinitely profitable drug because it has to be given forever. And it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't work. It's not that it harms people. It perpetrates the whole nonsense. So, I mean, it's much worse than nonsense. So, so that's, that's the answer. And the answer is that to get started on this, you've, I'm sure, discussed the uh, Rogan uh, interviews uh, with the, your audience. And there's several that are central to this, which uh, we can stick in the show notes. Yeah. And like just with, with, with the PCR, because like you I mentioned, the cycles that they were doing, the whole lot. I know it's been discussed a few things, but I think sometimes people, it, you know, for the penny to drop, they need to hear things a few times. And like the whole thing has been fake. The way that they're doing the cycles isn't right, ramming it up your nose with sterile IO, which is carcinogenic, and every single thing that they've done connected with this has just kind of spring-rolled it, and the, the problem is, you're fighting with your neighbor, this in-house fighting with family members, because half of them are believing it, and the other half can see right through it. Well, I think the, you know, the, the fears about the carcinogenesis are probably a little far-fetched. There's all kinds of things you can worry about. And, but the, the main thing is that there's no reason to ever get tested for COVID except for one reason. And that is if you're contemplating therapy and you're already symptomatic, right? That your listeners should understand that testing uh, people who are not symptomatic is insane because they can't transmit the disease. It's well known that the virus doesn't teleport like Star Trek, right? The virus doesn't teleport, you gotta sneeze. It's not transmitted on surfaces generally. It's just, it's an airborne virus, just like every other cold virus that we know about already. So this thing about testing everyone was just a, a, an absurd idea from a medical standpoint to panic everyone, to get everybody involved in this idea that, uh, that uh, you know, that they're part of the problem. And when actually the problem is just limited to, uh, a few elderly people and a few morbidly obese people, you know, it, you know, everyone else just gets the disease and just like every other flu, it goes away and they're fine and they have permanent immunity. So it, it's, a, it's a very sick thing that they increase the uh, 
sensitivity of the test and, and identified all kinds of fake cases and you know claimed that the thing could come back and haunt you over and over again when they were false positives and you know it, 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 it there have been cases of recurrent covid but once you've had covid you're not going to get a fatal case of it you're not going to get real sick you know you've got cellular immunity that's far better and fauci admitted this a decade ago cellular immunity to, to a cold virus is far better than um, any kind of vaccine that was ever invented. Like with the states, because I saw that, uh, I think it was the governor of Florida kind of dropped all the, the sanctions, and I think in Texas, what's the rest of the, the state? I mean, there's 50 states, but is it increasing that it, the freedom is kind of rippling out, or is it just the exact same as it was? Well, the um, the, the current you know, political party who's in power now, they had, they have to recognize reality. And this whole thing was enormously unpopular. It was becoming unpopular despite all the propaganda. So I think they've relaxed all this for the midterm elections in November. So we, in California, we still have all these morons who are running around with masks on, on the street outside where there's no possibility of transmission the, the dummies have been completely blue-pilled about this. And, you know, they're not going to give up their masks because it's like they think it's a magic barrier against, uh, you know, dying of uh, the, the cooties. And th th it has become a litmus test for whether you're a, a Democrat or Republican, which is absurd. It's a medical issue. And it's not a, it's not a political issue. The, the, medicine, the medicine and the science is absolutely crystal clear. And it's not what you see on, um, you know, mainstream media. And so um, I, I think the entire Midwest uh, pretty much ignored the whole freaking thing uh, because I have friends who've driven across the country and they, they you know, during the pandemic and they didn't, they didn't find anything out of, out of normal at all. I recently went to Florida and, uh, it, you know, it, it's a very heartening thing to see a state with a governor like that. And he, you know, in America, we have these individual state constitutions and they, stand up against the federal government. And the whole system was designed that way. We're at a constitutional test of our founder design system. And we're gonna see if things like states' rights can prevail and keep their citizens uh, safe from all this idiocy and all these mandates and all these uh, harmful drugs. But uh, we're in the middle of the test. So I think the answer to your question is, the Midwest has largely laughed all this entire thing off. The blue collar in our country has a, a good BS meter in their nose, right? They smell nonsense and they just shook their head with the whole thing and didn't believe a word of it. Um, the, the intelligentsia, uh, the medical doctors, the intellectuals, the media, they have no such meter and they swallowed the whole thing uh, whole. And until these idiots got Omicron, uh, they, they thought that the vaccine protected them. They never even looked into it. And then they, they realized when they're, you know, if you have a child who dies of the vaccine or gets myocarditis, then all of a sudden you're completely red-pilled about the entire thing. You see what's going on and you start to look at it critically. Um, but uh, so here it's a mix. And I think that people are understanding it better and better, but it's, it's a slow process against the uh, corrupt censorship and the wall of propaganda that we've seen, we're seeing.
and uh, like speaking of the corruption, the FDA was trying to hide the papers. I don't know, was it, was it 55 or 75 years that they didn't want the documentation to be released? I mean, that is guilt written all over it. Yeah, the, um, yeah they're, they collude with the, the medical industry to fake the studies. They collude to uh, market the drugs. They're essentially, the FDA, anything that comes out of the FDA is uh, essentially a, a marketing statement by uh, Pfizer, another drug company. And you may understand that the food and drug, it's the Food and Drug Administration, they also regulate our food industry. And they have perpetrated frauds such as the idea that we should avoid saturated fats and animal products. And they're actually the healthiest foods that we could possibly eat. The research is clear now that the, uh, the whole narrative of uh, you know, eating vegan is the most healthy thing and avoiding animal products is the most healthy thing has been completely debunked. And you can read references in my uh, Hormone Secrets book ab about that if you want. These, my two books, this is the Hormone Secrets book, and you can read about diet and so on and that. Um, the other book is uh, Butchered by Healthcare. I don't have a copy here because I gave away my last copy or had to order some more. Um, so, uh, so those are available for $3 on Kindle anywhere. You know, if you want a hard copy, it costs more because there are printing costs. But I, I'm not a money-making animal. I don't, I don't make any money on any of this. You know, nobody, nobody wants to be in a position that you and I are in right now, you know, to try to, try to uh, work against the tide and uh, possibly to get threatened. Um, but uh, we, we, have to, we have to speak out because our feet are in the alligator's mouth. We're going to get eaten along with everyone else if we don't turn this thing around. No, absolutely. And like, I'm convinced it's like a, you know, the mechanism of a watch, all the cogs, and you just pull out one, it falls apart. And one of them could be you know, the doctors and nurses, it could be the legal system. There's, there's so many little cogs that are there. But like with the... Um, all the agents that work for these big pharma not just with what's going on for the last two years but for you know decades they're going around giving kickbacks to the doctors and a doctor prescribing something that could be 10 bucks but prescribes the one for 100 even though the other one might be better because he's getting a kickback they were getting cars they were getting trips to thailand they were getting and then there was like some like i know i was talking to people in mexico what they would do then is they just organize the person could go to a restaurant. So when they were stopping the kickbacks, somebody was just going to a restaurant and they were just paying the bill. So it, it was very hard. And like, because I mean, I know that went on in your ears and I know there's doctors everywhere that are doing. I mean, I spoke to a, a friend of mine in Ireland and because we've got all the big pharma companies in Ireland due to a tax loop. And I just said, which ones, because I was writing the book, which ones don't do the kickbacks? She says, they all do. They're all at it. Like, are okay. people conscious of that's actually yeah. the corruption as well? So this, this uh, the direct kickbacks and the um, medical meetings and all that stuff, it's gotten a lot of attention. So in the last decade, that's all declined. And instead, the money is being given to what they call KOLs. They have this acronym, Key Opinion Leaders. And the key opinion leaders get money in form of research grants and so on. And it's soft money. They can, they can spend it how they want. And they write standards, and this influences doctors' behavior. So that's kind of the way it works in America now. But the drug reps are still there. Um, there I think there's a, 
a drug rep for every five doctors in America or every three or something like that. And they come in and they, 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 they use the three F's of uh, salesmanship, which is, uh, you know, what they call it. And those are food, friendship, and I forget the other one, but there's a fourth F that they occasionally use. Come on, Roy, you know what the fourth F is, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do. Your listeners understand it. So I, I'm, I'm only half facetious, and I never, I never was granted any of the fourth F from a drug rep, right? But uh, who, who knows? Uh, maybe if I was single, I would have, I would have been able to pick up on that. But uh, no, the, the, the influence of the sales and the marketing is overwhelming, and it influences doctor behavior. Uh, they get free samples. And, uh, you know, the, the, even, even meals have an enormous influence. Gifting has a huge influence. And these guys that give you all kinds of stuff from coffee cups to trips, you know, it, it, formerly they give you a trip to the Bahamas to go to a meeting, you know. So, and, you know, money to do lectures and you use the drug company's uh, slides and, uh, you know, say whatever they, you, you want to, they want you to say. I mean, that, I had some of that. You know, not very often because I was in a, I was in a, an eddy, a bywater of medicine. I was a cosmetic surgeon. So. And just, just on the cosmetic surgery, because even, because I had somebody on with the breast implants and I think I are, they're supposed to be very dangerous as well. The, so. Well, I don't think they're very dangerous. You know, I think they're quite safe but they have a fair number of complications like hardening. That's the most common problem. So they can, they get so hard that people call them bolt ons, <laughs> you know, anyway. So I guess that's not much of a joke. But the chemicals but no, that's in them, it's going into your body and your body's reacting to it. Then no, it's inert. The, they use uh, polymerized silicone to on the outside of the breast implant and you know, the silicone's not a biological react, biologically reactive compound. And so, no, this is pretty safe. And it gave, it's an arms race in California now it, between the women. The bigger, the better, right? It's an arms race. So, I mean, it's a little crazy, uh, but it's where culture has gone. And these lips, you know, pumping all that stuff into the lips. I mean, it's just the women think that they're attractive but i think it's the wtf look that they get they don't they don't get a look from men saying oh that's really attractive they get a look from men saying wtf is that <laughs> so they they get a positive uh, uh feedback from uh, all that attention and like with that because so, i mean it's all connected to the you know the pharmaceutical like say with the botox and stuff like that what's because i heard that you have to keep getting it done it's i don't know it's six months or something like that is that having all that system going into your body? Well, Botox only, the theory is, and I believe it, Botox is, a, all, all the Botox until a few years ago was made from one teaspoon of this very aggressive and toxic biological substance that paralyzed uh, muscles and nerves, right? Uh, so it was dilute. It was phenomenally dilute. In other words, they took it and they made... Uh, millions of ounces or whatever they made from one ounce. And so it, it's thought to only have local effects, but it's, it's a wonderful drug for the pharmaceutical companies because they do have to do it over and over. And a lot of women are completely convinced that they look so much better when they've had their Botox and their filler. The filler only lasts three to six months, sometimes a bit longer. 
you know, so these are biological materials that dissolve. And uh, it's my belief that they're harmless, except for it to your pocketbook and, uh, and so on. And the, the price is whatever they can get away with. That's that it's an amazingly expensive thing. And every woman in California seems to have some of that stuff in her face. And I, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's ridiculous. I didn't do so much of it. I mainly did breast implants and liposuction, occasionally facelifts and so on. But you know, those days are behind me and I'm happy they are. I, I'm, I'm ashamed of my colleagues now. They just haven't been able to step up for this uh, enormous pack of lies that we've been fed. And there, there's only, only a very small minority of us are actually uh, uh, treating patients properly and, and, uh, and standing up and talking about it. I'm not so courageous because I'm retired. So, I mean, they can't take away my income stream, I, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, if we look at, say, the World Health Organization, which unfortunately everybody seems to abide by, but we know that it's, you know, sponsored by, by Gates. Is it a case if we get, let's call it the good boy doctors, surgeons, that create an alternative to that and that, more people then start and having their own kind of journal that's like the British one that you mentioned, not a corrupt system, and people just kind of guide towards that because attacking an industry, I find they've got unlimited resources and you're, you know, it's not going to help. But by creating an alternative that then people will go, this is making sense. They've already caught out people on their lies by having true credibility. Is that something that could work? Well, let's let's tell your listeners to look at the World Health Organization and look at what's going on right now. And one of the best podcasts is Peter Breggin, B-R-E-G-G-I-N's podcast. And I can show you his book. We, we, we've had Peter on our, we, we've had Peter on our show. Uh, we, we do a live show and we've had Peter. Yeah. So he's got a podcast uh, at B-R-E-G-G-I-N.com. And he wrote this book. He was one of the first people who, who understood what's going on. And he has a podcast, he's podcasting now about what's going on with the World Health Organization. And this, this is a, an evil group. And they are, they're attempting to co-opt the constitutions of all these countries under the guise of taking care of pandemics, right? Which aren't really a problem, you know? So, so they're trying to destroy the constitutions of, uh, of little countries. And a lot of countries have signed on to their big plan already. And I'm, I'm ashamed of these people. I mean, they, they don't, they either don't get it or they're bought off or whatever. Uh, I mean, my, from what I see from Ireland, England, most of the political parties, they're all being bought off. They're all, there's they're, none of them are for humanity. They're all for the dollar. They're loyal to the dollar, unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, the World Health Organization, there's uh, tremendous foreign influences, communist China and, uh, and these uh, billionaires that Peter calls the global predators. You know, so these, these people seem to be in a, uh, a, a cabal to, uh, uh, to create uh, the world in a much more authoritarian uh, uh, framework. And I mean, I'm amazed that we've held up as long as we have. Our, we've, we've seen gas prices over here go up to, up to $10 now uh, per gallon. I mean, it's it's seven seven dollars at least, in, even at the standard pumps. But in Beverly Hills, it's ten. So we'll let's uh, let's hope it doesn't get too much worse, and that uh, you know our currency survives a while longer. I mean, the, the uh, anyway, this is kind of traipsing far afield from the 
the healthcare stuff. Yeah, but like say with the with the World Health Organization, your man Tedros, he's not even a doctor, which is strange to have somebody that's in charge that doesn't have a medical background. Yeah, he's a shill for the these uh, these predators, you know, who include um, the the billionaires, the large country countries, China is involved. I mean. Bregan's amazing. I, mean, I don't know how he accumulated all this data earlier on in the pandemic, and he put the book to, out. and I'm I'm surprised it didn't sell better than it did. He sold a hundred thousand copies or something. RFK Jr.'s book has sold a million copies, and it may have been the biggest worldwide bestseller, despite having been shunned by the New York Times. I mean, it's it basically was never reviewed in the New York Times. And it is a very well-written and concise and easy-to-read summary of what's going on in America, not just with Fauci and the healthcare, but the whole thing. And like with all these researching, because we're bombarded with it, right? And everybody's posting their belief system like you've mentioned a few of the people that I, I know, I, I like we've had a, a lot of them on the show and everything, but for the person that's on the fence, is this the, the link that you mentioned where there's, it's kind of uncensored is the best place for people to start searching to do that? Because I, I encourage everyone, no matter what we discussed today, don't believe any, a word we've said, go and do your own research and you know kind of check, check, check. But is it that? Uh, uncensored uh, site that you mentioned is, is the best place that you you'd recommend well i i you know look who reads anymore roy i try to read uh but you know reading books is harder and so we listen to podcasts and i i think the best tip is to try to listen to them at 1.5 to two times speed see what you can tolerate and you can get through this stuff uh, relatively rapidly and when you when you get into the podcast world, it's it you can assess credibility by the presentation, by the people. You can use your human skills, your interpersonal skills to to learn whether something is true. And I think that you're very credible. Hopefully, I'm credible, and uh, people understand from looking at us and listening to us that um, what we say is real. So, Bregan.com, B-R-E-G-G-I-N.com, the RFK Junior uh, podcast, and those are two that I like the best. Now, I think the easiest way is to listen on Apple podcast uh, app, or you can get, I like Downcast, D-O-W-N-C-A-S-T. It's $3 app. And you can download your podcasts on that and listen at your own convenience. Um, so you don't have to be online to listen and you can turn up the speed to whatever you want. And you can, if you don't like them, you just delete them from the app. And so it doesn't take up extra memory. So I, I like those two podcasts and I, Rogan is on a paid platform. Uh, what Spotify, is it called? Yeah. Spotify. Yeah. Spotify. So I, you know, I, when, when he was permitted to interview, you know, the people he's interviewed, I actually pay for Spotify uh, by the month and Spotify is not a wonderful group, but um, they, they have been, Rogan has been able to keep his messages on there and Rogan's Rogan's sort of like the straight man. You know, he's an honest guy. I listen to Rogan, but I, yeah. I, I, I'm convinced he's controlled opposition, to be honest with you, because I'm listening to some of the things that he says. And it's, it, it's like he's planting a message in, in people's heads. And there's, there's a few things that he has done that I kind of went, no, nah, this doesn't seem right. I know he comes across showing just spread love, 
it's pretty, you know, everything we want to hear. But if you hear, if you, in between it, there's a lot of things that he's kind of promoting. And I just, I, I mean, like I've seen him with uh, one of the Satanist's um, grandchild and he had a 666 jumper and his, you know, devil hands and all this. That's that's one thing. But then he's on another show, he's on, oh, it, wouldn't it be great to have uh, Michelle Obama on the, and it, like, if you know the different political people, what they've done, it ain't yeah. like the way they portray them. And I, I think it's the exact same with a lot of the other people that are out there as well, because they, they want that. They want to control everything. And I, like, I wish I was wrong with a lot of this, but I just listening to some of the things that he said. And each time I go, ooh, that seems, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's putting the message out there. Everybody has a, a spectrum of opinions and uh, Rogan's not perfect. But I think to class, uh, this guy's, he's been quite courageous with the people he's put on there. He's gotten, uh, look, I, I'm frankly, I'm bored by Rogan. I can't stand to listen to most of it. And I've listened, I've tried to listen to a lot of it, but, but he's interviewed Robert Malone and Peter McCullough. And he's interviewed the, uh, the guy we referred to, which, uh, who uh, talked about Google's problems. And there's several others that are, are really good. And we can stick those in the show notes. So I, th I think you want to reserve your controlled opposition uh, ideas for uh, people who, you know, who are, are more clearly a problem. And Rogan, Rogan has brought this message to more people than any individual. I mean, more than, more than RFK Jr. and more than Mercola. Mercola, Mercola is another one who he, he writes daily blogs. He's obviously got an editorial, Mercola.com editorial team and if you get into that stuff um he is exposing a lot of uh dirt um he's a vitamin seller so some of his stuff leads back down to trying to sell some supplement that is uh you know in my view some of it's questionable but um those are the people you can get the truth from and you've got to sort the the truth and you've got to look back and forth and see who uh but my the the, the people i think that are are the best are rfk jr and um uh, Bregan and Bregan, of course, is a tiny platform compared to the RFK Jr. So you'd highly recommend uh, Kennedy's book, anyway. Yeah, I yeah, Kennedy's book is um, the best single reference about what's going on. It's the easiest one, the most approachable. And I've got in my, on in my website and so on, and my Substack, I have references where you can listen, you can read summaries or listen to summaries. You don't have to go through the whole thing, but if you read Bregan's book, which again, you can get for three bucks on Kindle, I recommend going to the timeline at the end after you read the introductions, and then you'll sort of understand it. Bregan's book is now getting a little bit dated. It might be a year old now, but it's, uh, it, it's, the, it's the entire background, and somehow Bregan freaking saw the whole thing early. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a freaking polymath and a genius. He's a very sharp guy. He's 85 now. So he's uh, none of us are the men we once were, are we? <laughs> but but Bregan is still uh, pretty damn sharp. Yeah. And just on the books on the <laughs> other side of the fence, then because you mentioned the World Economic Forum, uh, Klaus Schwab's book came out. Was it in I don't know June or something like that when it was supposed to be uh, March that we were aware of all this? You know, and like you know the amount of time that it takes to get a book and go through the whole process. Like that was yeah. something that was ready beforehand. Well, the oddest thing about Klaus Schwab, Klaus Schwab, he's like, 
he's like the characters in uh, that uh, Stanley Kubrick movie uh, about the atomic mom. What was the name of this? Dr. Strangelove. He's a strange lovian character. And the weirdest thing about Schwab is everything that he writes, everything that he th he's trying to do is out on the table. I mean, it's like, it's like he, they're not a bit shy about telling us about their nefarious plans. And uh, I mean, it's, it's just, it, the whole thing just sounds so dystopian. I mean, there were, the, the theory is that they're going to own everything. We're going to own nothing and we're going to rent and we're all going to be happy. I mean, it's, it, it is absolutely crazy. I wrote a Substack blog about this and I've, uh, I've performed or read Mercola's blogs about this on my Substack. So you can, if you want an easy introduction, look at my material on robertyoho.substack.com and uh, subscribe. It doesn't cost anything. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't uh, make money on this stuff. Yeah, but, uh, just, yeah, just yeah. on the books, because I mean, you have the books, but like the, the one, the Butchered by Healthcare, you might just give us a quick kind of synopsis of what's covered in it. Okay. So, you know, I looked at this stuff from Big Pharma to the psych drugs and uh, the journals, which we mentioned, and the physicians on the take and all this stuff. And I wrote a comprehensive summary of it in the, and this thing was published right before COVID started. And so I, I saw how medicine had been sort of ruined over the last few decades by um, the commercial interests. And I mean, I was, again, I was sort of like Rip Van Winkle. I didn't know what was going on because I was a cosmetic surgeon. I was in this little bywater of medicine. And uh, so just to give you some examples of what I discovered, probably the worst medical industry is psychiatry. And, uh, you know, the only people that really seem to have completely understood this in mass were the, the Scientologists. Now, I'm no Scientologist, and I wasn't interested in Scientology. And I, you know, there's a lot of negative things about Scientology. But these people promoting these drugs, they, they promoted drugs that never had a proper study for the most part, they, di they didn't have proper sugar pill controls in their, in their studies. So these, the drugs that they use are tremendously toxic and addictive, and they're not specific treatments for what they claim that they, uh, they, they treat, like the antidepressants don't. They, they, dull, they dull people, they change their behavior, but they, and they're almost impossible to get off. You take Prozac for five years, you're freaking stuck on Prozac the rest of your life, for, you know, for the most part. I mean, it's very hard to get off. They change your brain in a way that um, makes it difficult. And the Prozac class drugs, the SSRIs, cause violence and suicide in a certain small number. And it's not a totally small number because you could, it was all picked up in the studies before they actually sold the drug. And the, it was it went, when, it, when it was found, there had been a string of lawsuits. Uh, and these companies have been allowed to settle the lawsuits quietly. They've spent $100 billion plus, the Lilly, who uh, originally marketed Prozac, settling these lawsuits. And it, it's, it's clear to everyone who's a serious observer of this that they cause violence and suicide. And it's thought by some, by many, that they've contributed to the mass shootings and the murders in America. The second class of drugs that actually causes a 10 to 20 year decrease in lifespan is the atypical antipsychotics. And those things uh, are passed out like jelly beans now. I mean, when they ran out of people to give 
the um, SSRI antidepressants do, they started passing out the uh, the uh, uh, atypical antipsychotics. And there's a couple other classes of these things that are they're just freaking horrible. And the the amphetamines are being used by all our kids now to study and to go to school. And uh, you know, a third of the kids in Ivy League schools are supposedly have prescriptions of these things. And they, they're being abandoned by even the people who originally promoted them. Uh, I think the name of the psychologist is Keith Connors, who uh, originally uh, promoted these, these drugs, and he's come out recently or fairly recently against them. And they cause brain shrinkage in animal models. I mean, it's, they're freaking horrible. They've been abandoned. If you get caught with Prozac in Japan, you go to jail, right? It's hard to, it's hard to bring it into Japan. You can't bring it in when you're a tourist. You certainly can't easily. Just to give you an idea of the conflicts of interest, the quote conflict of interest and the problems in healthcare, I I would tell you just a, for a moment about oncology. That's cancer treatment. So the oncologists in America they get paid twenty percent of every drug that they administer in the office. So these things cost one hundred thousand dollars plus a year. So the ambition of these guys is to have a, a room filled with Barca loungers. You know, those are like uh, recliners. Uh, and every chair filled with a patient getting some sort of toxic garbage. Now, they're, they, they're notoriously unsuccessful because there's only about five diseases that they treat that they can do much about. The rest of them, on average, they're trying, at least they're trying to improve the mortality or the, the deaths by two months. <laughs> Just think about that for a while. It, it's it's a very unsuccessful effort, uh, but the they've been allowed somehow to use kickbacks to to market these drugs to the drug companies. Now, if you and I are doctors and I give you a drug and I say, "Here you go, Sam. Take my drugs. Sell it. I'll give you twenty percent." In America, that's called capping. It's a federal crime. We could both go to jail. But the drug companies are allowed to do it for these oncology drugs, and they they do it for other drugs. You know, these uh, urologists uh, give shots. Uh, hormone suppressors in the office, they get 20% for, a, you know, some of these things cost $10,000 a shot. And they, uh, they, they, they get, uh, you know, they get their two grand or whatever it is for something that takes two minutes or less once they get them set up. So uh, oncology is a mess. And, um, you know, we've got numbers that, that refute our approaches to uh, screening processes for mammograms and colon cancer um, the numbers don't work for those programs that we have going you know we we have we take pictures with x-rays of <laughs> practically every woman in america at intervals of uh, every couple of years and the uh, the, the 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 process uh, creates a cascade of medical care which uh, is more risky than the original disease so it's it's very expensive the colon cancer we're sticking scopes up everybody's backside and if you don't have rectal bleeding you don't have any abdominal pain. You don't have any symptoms. You don't have any problems. It, this is another futile effort that's very expensive. Occasionally punctures the colons. Occasionally people die. It, it's crazy. So those are some ideas. I mean, you know about endoscopic knee surgery, where they come in and nip the cartilage out and clean it up. Well, that whole thing has been debunked with sham surgery studies, where they make an incision, don't do the surgery. Okay, so you, you've heard of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an outrage. And, and we, we, which, with, the, with, with, with the doctors that kind of are in this system, let's say, I mean, I've heard that there's a lot of like the doctors actually get on the drugs themselves as well. 
Is that from your experience? Have you seen that? Well, in order to sell something, you have to believe in it. And the doctors are not, uh, they, they're not uh, just absolute cold-hearted people who don't believe anything they do. They've, they've convinced themselves. But Upton Sinclair had a great quote. I'm going to butcher it. But he said that it's, it's hard to convince anyone of the falsity of something if their checkbooks rely on their belief in the, in the, the whatever it is. You get it? So the needs from the patient's needs. So, I mean, I, you know, I did a practice where I got paid fee for service. And even that's a conflict because the, the incentive was for me to sell more surgery than the patients needed. And so you try to resist uh, incentives like that, but nobody's perfect. And uh, maybe you're having a slow month. And, you know, maybe somebody is a questionable candidate for a, a cosmetic surgery. So, I mean, I, it really, even the fee for service system is, is a, is a very negative thing uh, because you're, you're incentivized to do things that may not be helpful and half our medical care either doesn't work or is actually harmful. And we're spending twice what we should be spending or certainly twice what other countries spend. Singapore gets by with less than 5% of their gross domestic products spent on healthcare and they've got a great system. Yeah, and like what is frustrating is it like the, you know if somebody's got some form of cancer or some growth whatever it is go into surgery get a cut out there's never a discussion on food you should be taking or what caused it 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 doesn't even enter the equation i mean i've seen that so many times that it's basically yeah let's just cut out what it is and Sometimes, unfortunately, people get, you know, a lung removed or some part of their body. And when it happens again, they never look at the actual cause. Well, it's hard to generalize. Let me see if I can uh, give you some hopeful messages right, <laughs> about how you take care of health, your own health. And uh, there are a couple of things we have that we didn't have a few years ago. And the first thing is we can go and visit virtually any doctor who will agree to see us and get a second opinion and this we didn't have this before the rapid uh, internet connections and so on and we didn't have it before trump made that legal for anyone in america to see a doctor without uh, seeing them in person now prior to this and reasonably so the medical boards would sometimes censure doctors who saw people on the telephone for the first time and their entire relationship was virtual but in the in the pandemic, in the quote pandemic, Trump thought it was a good idea and it opened up certain kinds of medical care. And if you have a complicated problem, like some forms of cancer and other things, it doesn't do any harm to get a second opinion. Many times it can be life-saving. The second thing is we have patient groups online for different diseases. And these things, you can get involved with people who will help you for free and you can get people who sometimes know more about the diseases than the doctors themselves. So they, I mean, it's, it, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. They're generally sponsored by the drug companies who run the, uh, who, who charge too much for the drugs, which is about anything they can get away with. But you meet people in these groups, which, who are, uh, are idealistic and who are motivated to help. So those two things are positive, uh, positive trends. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, Robert, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And I know that we do a live call with uh, five other podcasters. So I'd, uh, if you're interested, I'll uh, invite you on to that show. But you might let people know how they can get in contact with you. Oh, okay, thank you so much, Roy. And I've had a, a nice time. RobertYohoAuthor.com is my website. And that's uh, more about the healthcare corruption. Um, but my uh, uh, blog is on... Uh, robertyoho.substack.com and I recommend several other the authors on uh, Substack and you can get information about that by reading my my older blogs just go back and, and have a look at them and see what you think and anything with titles that you like uh, check it out so those are the two I I also stick my uh, my uh, uh, audio interviews you know I have a podcast as well on buzzfeed so if you search for surviving healthcare i'm sorry buzz sprout um you can you can find those okay excellent yeah and i'll make sure i put the podcast the your book links as well as the the websites and the stack link on both the audio and the video so thank you very much robert thanks again roy no problem so that's all for the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. We're on BitChute. You'll find the links in the podcast description. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating. It all helps. Until next week, take care. This podcast is and always will be free. There are two ways you can help me as I spend a lot of time researching, recording, editing, and marketing my podcast. I also have plenty of costs with like Zoom, BitChute, StreamYards, as well as equipment. I have a donation button, which you can buy me a coffee once a month or even just donate one euro, because if everybody who listens to the podcast donate one euro, it would cover all the costs. You can also support our sponsors. All the links are in the podcast show notes. Thank you for listening. This podcast is sponsored by Koolabula that creates simple and very advanced websites, as well as creating fantastic animation. If you or someone you know is looking to start or update their websites, we're offering a genuine 20% discount with the code AWAKENING. Just go to Koolabula, C-O-O-L-A-B-U-L-L-A dot com and the links are in the podcast description. Mm-hmm.